0: Hey, I think it's going on. We are recording. Woo! Hello and welcome to Come Back a Star, a movie award award show for giving movies awards. Woo! I'm Jason.
1: And I'm Laura.
0: And this is our 1928-29 Roundup, a.k.a. the first year with the movie's latest find, Sound. That's right, Uh we've got talkies and the results are rocky at best. Yes. Okay, so what we're going to do in this episode is first we'll give you a brief synopsis of each of the official nominees, uh, which actually I looked it up and apparently these aren't technically nominees. There were no nominees for this year.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, the list is based off of the movies that we think were probably the most considered. I'm not sure how they figured that out, but that's the right. official list on Wikipedia. So Any that's what word we're going through. on
1: why they didn't actually officially nominate anything?
0: Oh gosh. I don't really don't know. I'm guessing it's just early early development of the Academy Awards. I
1: guess so. The the their first year kind of overwhelmed them, so they needed time to recoup.
0: Exactly so. All right. So we'll discuss some of our own scores for these movies and uh Which of the movie we decided to nominate? There, there was only one.
1: Oh, really? I thought. I thought. Well, I nominated Alibi. Oh, did you? I think I did. Yeah, at the last minute, just to make things more spicy and exciting.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. So that works. We actually have a competition now. I totally had forgotten about that.
1: (laughs) This is what happens when uh, we take a few weeks off my my oral surgery. I apologize, everyone.
0: (laughs) All right. Uh, and finally, what we'll do is that we'll vote and decide on the winner, which, um, I don't know. We, we will give them both consideration.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty, think we're both pretty, uh, slanted in one direction about what we're going to vote for, but.
0: But who knows? Maybe after discussion, we'll decide one way or the other.
1: It'll be a Surprise.
0: All right. So let's start off with the movies that didn't get our nominees, which sadly make up the bulk of this year's.
1: That's right. And first up is Hollywood Review, which sort of defies typical summary. Like the title flat out says, this is a review, which means a series of stage songs and dances with some dramatic monologues and skits. Uh, The movie serves as MGM's introduction to the public of what sound will offer audiences in the coming decade. Music, spectacle, and vaudeville talent.
0: Yeah, with I also wanted to point out that there are sketches and things like that, and dances. But this being a review, those aren't terribly strong in.
1: Yeah, that even
0: even so, I mean, there, there's a little bit of it. There's, there are
1: some running gags, like Cliff Edwards never getting the chance to really play his ukulele and stuff is like his that, thing. which apparently is his thing. I mean, this is before video games, so ukuleles were, were hot. Yeah,
0: although they're making a comeback.
1: They are. They've definitely in certain hipster sects have made, made a, a comeback, but there's nothing ironic about this deep love for the ukulele playing.
0: You know what? And I'm going to admit, I, I was a little bit upset that he got to start playing the ukulele and was interrupted yeah, every was single time.
1: And it was never for anything very good.
0: Yeah, yeah. That was the thing is that you had a variety of different music styles and everything like that, but it was always the non-ukulele
1: yeah that got that, you that got out. That's why it's making a comeback because it never really got the chance to shine, yeah it was
0: overshadowed by crooning. I don't know how to describe that type of music exactly. crooning
1: um, about captures it,
0: yeah, oh well,
1: yeah. <laughs> The old guard of silent film, represented by the likes of Conrad Nagel, John Gilbert and Buster Keaton, are largely overshadowed by new presences like Jack Benny and Cliff Edwards, who likes to play as ukulele, but is constantly interrupted. Mm -hmm. Largely confusing and clumsily staged, Hollywood Review is far too long at two hours and never finds its footing.
0: Yeah, I think, gosh, our biggest issue with it was... I guess the lack of a plot and that the fact that the whole spectacle itself wasn't all that great. It wasn't the worst thing ever. I feel like what was missing was that we weren't there in person and they were playing to this empty studio. I think
1: it felt like a stressful dress rehearsal. And so I think everyone was just really nervous uh for a lot of the silent film stars this was their introduction to sound for a lot of the new vaudeville talent this was their first time on screen so I think everybody had you know first time jitters and it just wasn't a great showcase for anybody some of the the numbers are pretty cool and and have neat choreography but they hadn't quite gotten down how to film like staged musical sequences. So a lot of it is just really clunky cinematography. And so it just does not really showcase anything they're trying to do particularly well.
0: I think the one person that really looked comfortable in what he was doing was Jack Benny.
1: Yeah. And obviously he'd been on stage for years. I think his radio show had been going on for a few years at this time. So he was probably the most comfortable out of everyone, although even he wasn't and his top form. And I think a lot of that just has to do with the fact that they were trying too hard to figure out this newfangled thing called sound. And so not enough attention was given to the actors to feel comfortable in like all mashed up together, trying to do this, these numbers. So,
0: yeah. And that's going to be kind of consistent. All, all of those of elements. Yeah. It was good that we, I think that we watched that one first mm-hmm. Um, for one, because it was my least Favorite, well, that's a tight competition. Yeah, I mean title with Arizona. Same. <laughs> but it uh, it had the issue of being two hours long and had the issue with sound and audibility. Yes. And just this transition between acting uh for the vaudevillians, it was a transition between acting in front of an audience and feeding off of that energy versus not. Yeah. And for the silent movie types, it was all of a sudden not acting exclusively with your face, but with your voice as well.
1: Right. And I mean, that's gotta be especially difficult when you're doing it next to people like Jack Benny who use their voices all the time. Right. I mean, it would be hard not to be self-conscious.
0: Right. So that's Hollywood review. That
1: is Hollywood (laughs) review. And, uh, Although it has a plot, our next, uh, I guess, unofficial nominee of the 1928-29 movie nominees is the Western in Old Arizona, which does not fare much better.
0: No, it does not.
1: It does not. It doesn't fare any better. It is the first talkie to try recording sound outside, and the dialogue is often garbled as a result. Plus, plus the plot that is there is paper thin. Uh, The Cisco Kid... Uh, played by Warner Baxter, he's a dashing bandit with an obsession for the flighty Tonya, whom he keeps in a hacienda with only an old woman named Tonita as companion and, frankly, guard. Uh, entering the scene is Sergeant Mickey Dunn, the officer tasked with bringing the kid to justice. Dunn meets and courts Tonya and convinces her to give up the Cisco kid, but not before the Cisco kid uncovers their plan and decides to enact his own punishment.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about this one um, just now, really. <laughs> and another weakness that I think we didn't bring up in the episode was that you didn't really get a sense of animosity between the two uh, men involved in this love triangle, which also kind of made it weak as well. There wasn't like, I'll have to get that rascally uh, Cisco kid. And there it just wasn't built up.
1: Enough. I mean, I thought there was... At first, I thought there was perhaps a promising dynamic that was going to develop because they meet in a barber shop without really knowing who the other is. Cisco Kid catches on quick that this guy is looking for him. But uh, Dunn has no idea that he's talking to Cisco Kid and they get along great. They mm-hmm. have a good repartee. They're going to meet at a bar later. But then, yeah, that just that's never followed through. They never meet again. Yeah. And it's it's frustrating because I think it would have been cool if they had if uh, Dunn hadn't known Cisco kid was Cisco kid not soon after. And they had continued this kind of like camaraderie where they both learned to like, like each other. And then Don finds out, Oh, that's the guy I'm after. And there would be some good tension with that, but no,
0: yeah, this movie really, really lacked tension in exactly anything.
1: Yeah. I mean, it tries for it a couple times, but overall, it's it, clumsy, is just the word I think for these early talkies. It's clumsy. It's marred by clumsy dialogue and unfortunate brown face. This is true. On uh, Mexican characters like the kid Antonia. And it's frankly, the results are more laughable than impactful.
0: Yeah, the stereotypes fly all over this movie. The yeah. barber is a stereotype as well. Uh, Italian, I, I think. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> But,
1: I like Chico Marx is more convincing as an italian than a <laughs> barber it's
0: it's it's not great um and something that I wrote when when we published the episode was that it really highlighted how this lazy tendency towards stereotypes makes for bad art as mm-hmm. well as bad just. Morally. Morally. Right. So it it felt lazy and
1: nothing felt authentic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was that, too. Nothing felt really real. So you couldn't sink your teeth into it and really get involved in the story. You're Mm -hmm. just kind of stuck on this. Oh, that's that's a tired stereotype. That's a tired stereotype. And
1: and the addition of sound meant, you know, the actors had to try for Mexican accents too. So it wasn't just like the physical, uh, offensiveness of brown face. It was also the, uh, audible offense of accent. <laughs> so it was just, it became, they were characters were definitely more like caricatures than actual characters, which would harm any movie trying to be serious.
0: That's true. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm based on a short story by O. Henry, the movie is padded out by extended, repetitive dialogue and an admittedly gorgeous shots of Utah and California, which fill in for the Arizona of the title. Such and a
0: weird choice. I,
1: uh, yeah, I mean, I guess.
0: Not that it really matters. That's like the, the desert least scene of its is sins, is a desert scene. Yeah,
1: it's like, why not just go to Arizona? But, you know, I guess, yeah, they had to work with whatever was in their budget. Despite Warner Baxter trying to give it his all as the Cisco Kid for which he won or would have won the Oscar for best actor to me the film is a failure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's 100% where I am. Um and I guess it's even less excusable than Hollywood Review. Oh yeah. In that it tried whereas like, you know, Hollywood Review tried and failed to be a good review. Cisco Kid on the other hand just tried to be a movie and failed at that. And for me, that just seems to be a greater sin. And the Hollywood Review was, I don't know if it was exactly the first of its kind, but that scale of grand spectacle was a lot to take on. Mm-hmm. Whereas this seemed to be the biggest risk that they took was filming outside and trying to record sound outside. But the story itself was pretty simple mm-hmm. in a in a bad way, but they didn't even capture that correctly.
1: I mean, it was a silent film melodrama that they decided to add dialogue to is how it feels and it just wasn't a good mix.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All okay, right. so that's in old Arizona.
1: Doing great so far. O for 0. Uh,
0: let's see. So for our next nominee, we unfortunately can't go into much detail. Yeah. Uh, The Patriot, our one silent nominee, is considered lost outside of a trailer. Boo. I know. It's so sad. I want to see it. I know. I do, too. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, there's other footage that exists Mm -hmm. somewhere, I believe, like owned by the studio. Yeah, they found
1: like a one reel or something. So hopefully that'll be released someday so we can at least get an idea.
0: Of that one reel. Of that one reel. I don't know how long a reel is.
1: Um. Like the, 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 the amount of feet.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. That long, huh?
1: That long. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so basically what you can look up on YouTube is a trailer.
1: It's about three minutes long.
0: Yeah. Uh, we watched the trailer and have decided that it's a shame that we can't see more. It's safe to say that this Ernst Lubitsch production would have gotten this year's highest scores, I think. And uh, I think we both agree on that.
1: For costume sets and cinematography, at least, yeah, yeah,
0: it's hard to tell the rest of it from a trailer. Yeah, but it it looked cool.
1: It looks spectacular.
0: Uh, and as that's that's how the trailer presents it too is basically as the greatest cinematic achievement of all time of all I've,
1: time as perfect. It
0: per- yeah, it's exactly what it boasts.
1: Yeah, so maybe it's a good thing we can't see it because our expectations would be so sky high there would be nowhere to go but down.
0: That's true. Uh, It featured uh, Emil Jennings to play uh, Paul I, Emperor of Russia. He is a mad tyrant, and his close associates plot his assassination. Paranoid and beleaguered, Paul does not know who he can trust, as his court must decide between their fealty to their emperor or their fealty to their country's well-being. Although it's a largely silent film, there was a synchronized soundtrack with a few talking sequences, so not Again, uh, kind of like a lot of the movies here, I do feel like more than others, but it did fill this weird liminal space between Mm -hmm. the transition of talkies and silent. And you could. Yeah. I'm assuming that you could really pick up on the transition in this movie even more. Right. Too bad we can't see it.
1: Too bad we can't see it. The missing link.
0: I know. It's so sad. So sad. Uh, The print is considered entirely lost. Um, But again, we have a few clips that are able to uh, show what the movie might have looked like. Uh, Stereotypically melodramatic, as the silence often were. The plot does sound fascinating and more complex than any of our other nominees.
1: Yeah, I mean, it would have to be by the nature of it. Uh, You know, courtly, intrigue and assassination plots are, I think, just by their nature, a little more interesting than the really kind of thin, measly plot we got in old Arizona and the zero plot we got in Hollywood Review.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, and I think just knowing that it was a Looch film mm-hmm. and just kind of, you just get the sense, even from the trailer, that it was a grand scale thing, but since it was focusing more on the familiar silent aspect with a few dashes of sound put in it probably just coalesced a little bit better yeah we're guessing again all of this is guesses
1: guesswork guesswork unfortunately hopefully uh, eventually if more searches are done they'll find a complete print or able to find enough uh, reels to put together something close to a full-length picture because I mean even outside of this podcast I would love to see it History, everyone, history.
0: Yeah, and they've done it before. There have been other films that they've recovered, at least in part. uh, Metropolis springs to mind. Right. Greed, unfortunately, does not uh, spring to mind, although it is 10 (laughs) hours long. so. So,
1: I mean, at a certain point, probably it's okay to cut a little bit, as much as Eric von Stroheim, I'm sure, would throw a fit at the very notion. But... I'm glad we do have some of greed.
0: Yeah, there we go. There we go. I'm glad that we recovered most of the rest of Metropolis because yes. it actually made it a coherent movie.
1: Exactly, the coherence is crucial to a film. I think, as we saw this year.
0: <laughs> All right, I'll I'll try to not sidetrack us too much on good movies that we know we like.
1: I know it's uh, tough. It's it's dangling a bone in front of me.
0: All right. So those are our nominees. Um, Let's move on to our first uh, NotSker.
1: NotSker nominee.
0: One of our own nominees here. And that would be Alibi. And Alibi centers around a police effort to apprehend the gangster Chick Williams, recently released from prison. And it was a little bit confusing because it. Kind of assumes that you're going to be on the side of the police in accusing this one guy, and it's not entirely clear that this one guy is a evil person until kind of the end.
1: Yeah, which I mean, that could be a clever conceit, but it's it's. I feel like the movie is kind of wishy washy in what where it wants our allegiance to be. Mm-hmm. As my mm-hmm. one big complaint.
0: Uh, let's see. So they're looking to apprehend gangster Chick Williams. Now, complicating the case is Williams' relationship with Joan Manning, the daughter of the officer in charge of the investigation, Sergeant Manning, and Detective Tommy McL- Tommy Glennon, who has loved Joan ever since they were children together and who is trying to uh, engage her for, for marriage. For marriage. They are the two attempting to build a case against Williams based off of a recent murder of a police officer doing a murder or excuse, during a murder, (laughs) the murder of a police officer during a robbery, excuse me. They employ an undercover officer to infiltrate William's gang, along with scaring confessions out of gang underlings. And all of this is done against the backdrop of a jazz age with plenty of art deco scenes and nightclubs and dance halls. And... Plenty of good choreography that was better than the Hollywood review. Yeah,
1: it's like there aren't a lot of dance and song numbers in this, but those that are in it are so much better than what's the Hollywood review. It's I'd be a little embarrassed if I were Hollywood review, frankly, that this gangster flick did the music better than they did.
0: Yeah, the deal with Hollywood Review is that it really did feel like it was cooked up in a lab.
1: It really did. By,
0: by MGM specifically. I don't, I mean, I don't was, know why. Yeah,
1: I mean, probably because that's exactly how it happened.
0: <laughs> yeah, I have I have a strong prejudice against the uh, studios for for some reason. But this really does feel like a stereotypical like the producers mm-hmm. ruining something creative.
1: And I think we get a lot of that in the talkie era, too. I think so many studios wanted to have like a monopoly. On uh, certain stars, certain uh, sound effects, certain this, certain that, and just kind of really crushed the creativity of a lot of people who had more independent control that was now being lost because of the studios.
0: Yeah, that that wasn't cool. No. Um, and I think I brought it up in the episode. I do have an alibi that maybe just maybe alibi was a little bit more of an interesting movie that was also Choked to death oh, by yeah? by uh by the studio, just because it starts off um a lot more ambiguous, kind of like the racket as we discussed right in well, the police officers are not really behaving as well, they're threatening this person with a setup i mean it's yeah. it's a very straightforward forward hey the this guy that they're trying to get to confess. They tell them that they're going to fake him trying to shoot at them so they can murder him if he doesn't give them the information that they want.
1: It's a terrifying scene and and really impactful. And yet so you'd think that there would be some comeuppance to this kind of this flat out now police brutality. Mm -hmm. But we we don't get that. We instead get that. Yeah, Chick is a bad guy and deserves to be taken down. And so I do feel like the movie chickens out.
0: Yeah, it's sneaky, too. Mm-hmm. It's not like the typical what we were used to in like the 80s with Batman holding someone over a rooftop or something like that and that sort of thing, which is not really approved of in, no. in real life. But this was this was Weasley of the police as well.
1: Very Weasley and just probably the most realistic thing in the movie But again, it's just not followed up with any sort of social commentary.
0: Yeah, there's, you know, numerous Netflix documentaries that you can go watch about Mm -hmm. forced confessions and how how bad they are, because they usually don't lead to the truth, which is allegedly the goal.
1: Well, it it does lead to less pressure on the police force. So think about that, Jason. You get an arrest, the public stops hounding you.
0: I guess that's a point. Um. Yeah. So getting back to Alibi, um, (laughs) despite a promising opening and intriguing plot, Alibi suffers some of the poor pacing as other features this year. Uh, The acting is poor in comparison to future 1930s uh, gangster flicks that feature the likes of Jimmy Cagney and Edward, Edward J. Robinson, J. Edward G. Robinson, excuse me. Still, this is far from the slog that uh, Hollywood Review and in old Arizona proved themselves to be. So it squeaks by as one of our
1: nominees. Right. I think there was a lot of promise there that was squandered. And I wouldn't be surprised if you're right, if it was the studio mucking in and saying, no, 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 we can't make it anti-cop. No, 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 we can't like actually have a redeemable bad guy, blah, blah, blah. Um, so... But you could see little glimmers there of what was to come, I think, in the genre.
0: Yeah, it does have kind of a noir feel Absolutely, to it. Absolutely, yeah. A um, lot of the
1: cinematography is really cool. Cool angles, uh, cool effects. Like in the um, interrogation scene, uh, the guy panics, has a panic attack, kind of sees double vision of the two officers interrogating him. So there was uh, some promising bits in there. It just did not really come together for me.
0: yeah. Uh, I really liked the first third.
1: Yes. If they kind
0: of continued along that vein that was a little bit more complex and made you think a little bit harder about this whole situation and your assumptions, it would have made a far more compelling movie. But I feel like you said, and we keep saying it chickened out.
1: Yeah, it chickened out, unfortunately.
0: Uh, Yeah. But. At least the sound worked a little bit better than some.
1: The, yeah. Uh, Not
0: perfectly by a long shot. No, but,
1: but again, especially if you look at the uh, the singing and the dancing, I think were are so much clearer than uh, in Hollywood Review, which is just so sad to me since that was the whole point of Hollywood Review. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. sad trombone.
0: So Alibi definitely has aspects to recommend it. I agree. But at the same time, it just you get frustrated.
1: I think you're for right, washing yeah. it. I mean, and I think you're right. I think a lot of the problem is studio interference. So
0: that is the official comeback a of star theory.
1: Yep, studio suck. Yep. All right, our final nominee and the actual, maybe actual winner of 1928 and 1929's Best Picture Oscar, and our second nominee for the not skur is the Broadway Melody. Uh, this musical tends to get largely right what Hollywood Review got wrong once again, featuring plenty of Broadway numbers that are actually framed well, with the sound already leagues better than what we got in the rest of this year's offerings. Yep. Not perfect, but getting there. You
0: know? Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, the film is pure backstage melodrama. Songwriter Eddie Kurds has sold his song, to, the, to his song, the Broadway Melody, to theatrical impresario Francis Sandfield. Karen's uses this new position to bring in his fiancée sister act, the Mahoney sisters. These sisters are Hank, the fiance, and her younger sister, Queenie. Hank is a firebrand determined to get to the top for the sake of her sister, not knowing that there's a growing attraction between Queenie and Eddie. Poor Hank. Yeah, poor Hank. She is the MVP of this movie. She gets things done. She's often abrasive and annoying and inappropriate about it but we tend to forgive her because her heart's in the right place
0: yeah she also just sacrifices everything for these two
1: yeah everything and it's just it's maddening but at the same time admirable of her so she's kind of a martyrized character but she never has that martyrized attitude because she tries to yeah. stay chipper which is which is refreshing you know yeah yeah Struck with guilt at her growing emotions for her sister's fiance, Queenie throws herself into the arms of corrupt playboy Jacques Werner, whose catchphrase is... Hello. Just like that. Just like a villain coming in and at the last minute with a big, strange hello.
0: (laughs) And just kind of a creepy smile, too.
1: Creepy smile. I mean, he's perfectly cast. So incredibly smarmy.
0: Yeah. You... You pretty much have an easy time disliking him. Although I had an easy time liking him at first, the first time he watched it. He
1: was he was a good villain because you kind of love to hate him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he
1: was he was good. And plus you never really take him as a serious threat because it's obvious he's not going to be anybody's great love or anything. He's just there to kind of up the tension a little bit.
0: Yeah. And he's wealthy.
1: He is wealthy. So I do think Queenie's a sucker for not taking him more seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, the the big three, Queenie, Hank, and Eddie, squabble and wring their hands in between big dance and song sequences until Hank finally notices the love between her fiancé and her sister. She makes a great personal sacrifice and takes to the road again, although still determined to conquer Broadway someday. Although certainly stagey and melodramatic, this film does better than the others in, at keeping the pacing at a good clip, and the dialogue is leagues better than what we get with a film like in old Arizona.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: It's understandable why this was the one to win best picture. I think it it tried for, you know, the good songs and dance numbers that Hollywood Review tried for, but it succeeded. Uh, It tried for uh, the dramatic points that Alibi and in old Arizona tried for, but did better. Plus, I think it had a really good dose of comedy and mixed the it just basically kind of had it all, one of those movies. And while I think if we didn't have the other movies to compare it to, we'd probably think a little less of it just because it right. still is a little bit clunky. It just seems just leagues better than most of the others. Mm, 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 mm. All right, now let's discuss some scoring. Uh
0: let's see. To be honest, I didn't go back through and check all of the scores that we gave all these. Uh, but, you know, that's on me, but I can pretty much wing it. Uh, so Hollywood Review uh, did not do well. No, I'm recounting it and it comes out to something like 20.
1: Youch! That's very yeah, low. Yeah,
0: that's that's not good. Um.
1: I think it probably has a little bit to do with our modern mind frame of what a movie should be. Probably people were more open to the kind of looseness and clumsiness of it back then. But I think it just was a little too foreign to our sensibilities or something. Plus, it wasn't very well done. So,
0: yeah, it it wasn't great. And I do think that our scoring system kind of had it was kind of biased against it. Yeah. It's just it doesn't fit into the rubric of a usual movie. So you can't really score it well on writing, which we gave double zeros to uh, because it there just wasn't all that much. And that that was there was not very good. Yeah. Uh, So poor Hollywood review got the lowest, I believe.
1: They went our raspberry.
0: Yeah. Poor guys. Uh, in old Arizona didn't do that much better no. Uh, getting 36.
1: Yeah, I actually have more negative feelings associated with an old Arizona than Hollywood Review. That's true. Because Hollywood Review was kind of a mess. So there were, I think, probably some unfortunately offensive like sex and race dynamics in it, but not as blatant as in within old Arizona, which on top of just not being very good was incredibly offensive to women, to Mexicans. To everybody to everybody. So it's I do think it's probably technically a slightly better movie than Hollywood Review, but more offensive.
0: Yeah, I don't like it as much. Hollywood Review made me bored Mm -hmm. in old Arizona, made me angry and bored and bored. Yeah, (laughs) both angry and bored. Yes. Two
1: great emotions that go worse together.
0: Exactly. Uh, So that's an old Arizona that somehow got one tick up above. Hollywood review, although not by a lot.
1: Not by much.
0: And then we come to Alibi, which got a total of 61, which is not a shame.
1: No, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, Alibi just... It just didn't really stick with me very much. I mean, some of the shots do. I think they did... The cinematography Mm -hmm. was pretty good, um, but it just didn't come alive for me. And I think it's because I have seen... You'd have stuff like uh, uh, Public Enemy and uh, the 30s Scarface, which were just so much better.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's you can't get around it. No. It's, we have not only was it not that great and kind of fell apart at the end, it has a lot of examples to go against it.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: OK. And Broadway Melody which I wrote down as Broadway musical at first, Uh, Broadway Melody got a 94, which put it one point ahead of the racket from last year.
1: That's interesting.
0: Yeah, which I would disagree with. It kind of shows the weakness of a little bit of the scoring, but that's why we have a separate discussion about whether we're going to get Uh a not score or not.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: Sometimes these scores do not reflect reality
1: exactly i think it's i mean i would say it's about the same quality as uh the racket obviously it's a tougher job incorporating sound Mm -hmm. and uh but like i kept saying uh when we were talking about the racket i think the racket would have benefited from sound it was that kind of movie um yeah no i think that's a it's an appropriate assessment of broadway melody it just again on its own a bit of a clunker, but compared to all the other nominees, it's just a lot better.
0: Yeah, it's it's leagues ahead of the other nominees for sure. Yeah. Uh, so those are all our nominees. Yes, we've covered their scores.
1: I know. I was terrified.
0: I think it's time to vote.
1: Time to vote between Alibi and Broadway Melody. All
0: right. All right. We have our voting cards. We're gonna write down these, and we're gonna we're gonna hide them from each other so we don't know whose is whose. Okay. And uh, I always forget what my handwriting looks like. Just kidding. (laughs) So completely secret ballot. Let's see what we're going to end up with. I have one for Broadway Melody. (gasps) Two for Broadway Melody.
1: And the third. Oh, right. That's it.
0: We are the entire Academy for Come Back a Star. And it sounds like we've had a unanimous vote for Broadway Melody, so we don't really have to talk or debate about
1: About it. All right. Bye, everybody.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sounds like we have a kind of short episode on our hands, but that's okay.
1: I mean, that's okay because, again, this wasn't like an officially nominated year. And I, I feel like we do kind of need that year as a freebie just because... Sound was a huge deal. And of course, there was going to be an awkward transition. It's just so weird after coming directly off of like Seventh Heaven and Sunrise and Wings, which were just. They're iconic movies. They're iconic movies to suddenly like get to something where it's like a clunky sound stage mm-hmm. and you can't understand what anyone's saying. And everything is like the actors are, I think across the board, tried so hard. To speak well, act well, and be engaging. I can't imagine the amount of pressure they were all under. Uh, I, prob- yeah. I would have done worse. That's what we've got to acknowledge, yeah. I think, as critics. is like, I couldn't well, have done it. You know, point back what's wrong some with of it. them did pretty well. Yeah. yeah Bessie I, Love
0: did, did great.
1: I love Bessie Love. I, I, I'm i sad that she, uh, her career didn't last a heck of a lot, uh, much longer, but... You know, I think what I want. She just
0: kind of opted out of it, right?
1: Well, she would she she tried. She actually really put into a lot of work. She actually uh, went on a vaudeville tour, played once again the ukulele. I don't think she was ever going to be the next, uh, you know, Ella Fitzgerald when it came to singing. But she. uh She definitely, I think, has a real charm. I read something about her that was kind of like Hollywood never quite knew how to categorize her Mm. because uh, she certainly wasn't a vamp type. Right. But she, At the same time, she wasn't like ethereal enough to be the kind of Lillian Gish sort of like painted flower type. And she wasn't, uh, I guess the closest you could categorize her is kind of the girl next door. Sort of. But, you know, once you get to the 30s, it seemed like, you know. The Gene Harlow kind of hard boiled, tough talking dame took over, which is great. I'm not complaining about that. Um, But not, I bet, I wish Bessie Love had been given a chance to have like a Carol Lombard or like a Catherine Hepburn early kind of screwball comedy role. Um, Yeah, she could pull that off really well. She really would have pushed. She had just such a great energy, a great smile. And, uh, yeah, it's too bad. You get to see in these early films all these people who were big deals at the time, but unfortunately haven't really. Uh,
0: just failed with sound or just didn- with- didn't coalesce. And- or just
1: aren't remembered as much as, like, say, Gene Harlow or Clark Gable is remembered today.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's true.
1: I mean, it it really does make you wonder which actors that are big deals today, 50, 60 years from now, are even going to be remembered.
0: Yeah, they couldn't even have their careers reignited by animation like like a lot of stars do today. I do
1: today. And uh, at the expense, I think, of a lot of hardworking vocal talent. So it's, yeah, you win some, you lose some. I mean, I'm glad sound came along. But you do have to, you know, pour one out for the silent stars who just...
0: Couldn't, couldn't cut it.
1: And I do think once again, the studio has a lot to play for that. I think as the studio got more and more control, we got more of the casting couch situations. That's what Anita page, Bessie loves co-star in Broadway melody said, ended her career is uh, I think Thalberg or Mayer tried to get her to play the casting couch game. And she was like, no, I'm not going to do that. And they dropped her contract. So I think, yeah. yeah, the, the more you see the studio come in, the more you see, a lot of actors fall away. A lot of creative difficulties. And I think that's what enabled the Hays Code just a couple years for where we are now to come in and get a whole censorship lock on everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was so very two faced. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You had the the whole sex scandals going behind the doors and but on screen, you couldn't. Uh,
1: have two married people share the same bed. Yeah.
0: Yeah. is It's kind of disgusting.
1: It's an age of hypocrisy for sure. Okay. Yeah.
0: But that's our first sound year. Yeah, Next year, however, is also going to be sound. But we have some titles that I've actually heard of.
1: All right. Um,
0: All Quiet on the Western Front, I think, is the winner. And uh, definitely have heard of that. So we have some good ones to look forward to. I I'm, think,
1: you know, I really love 30s movies, uh, even with it, with the Hays Code came in and mucked things up. You know, this is where we really get the stars we, re- we remember today, like Cagney, like Robinson, like Gable, like Harlow. Uh, and I think, you know, we really see the height of the studio system. So it's going to be crazy to see the, the good, the bad, the ugly mm-hmm. that the studio system really brings.
0: Not that movie, though.
1: Not that one until the 50s, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I think that concludes our second roundup yeah. ever. Yeah,
1: thank you much for listening. Let us know if you agree with us, if you disagree with us, if you don't like the cut of our jib. And yeah. where could they do that to us, Jason?
0: They can contact us on Twitter at Comeback A Star, and you could write us on email at uh, Podcast at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page set up, but it's uh it's kind of sad right now. Um, That's
1: all things on Facebook.
0: Yeah, sort of. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> go ahead, give it a visit.
0: Yeah, give it a visit. Once we get some people on there, I'm sure we'll we'll have a little bit more to say. Yeah. Um, maybe some some more reactions to the movies that we're watching, and also hopefully we can get some interaction going. Yeah. Uh, special thanks to the Pontifax podcast yes, that actually gave us a much. shout out and. Really boosted uh, our downloads Woo-hoo. this week. Um, you might hear a promo from us on their show uh, following this week, and a special special thanks to all the other podcasts out there that, that inspired us to to do this.
1: You guys are swell.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh it's been great. We really enjoyed this this experience.
1: I always love watching really obscure old movies. I mean, I think it's just the greatest history lesson and most exciting history lesson you can have to like, see just the attitudes and uh, the points of view people tried to get across back then uh, for good or for bad. I think it's a great uh, testament that we've never really had as history before, uh, Mm -hmm. like this kind of living document. So I'm always excited to get my uh, yeah. hands up with that.
0: I'm I'm really excited to see how you know our next big development is probably going to be color, yeah, <laughs> and just like watching how these different technologies advance and and how we how that helps or even hurts in this year. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Like w- maybe we could pinpoint the exact moment where they seem to get it right.
0: Yeah, hopefully that's next year, and I. I I think that's that's what's going to happen. I think they're finally going to get their feet under them.
1: It didn't take them too long. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: All right. Yep. Keep listening. We're going to be signing off. And uh, thank you for listening.
1: All right. See you guys later.